This is an Odyssey original. This is KDX in depth. I'm Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman. Pat Boone is a music and entertainment legend. We are going to be talking with him later. He will be in studio here on In Depth. But imagine getting ready to watch your favorite college football team on ESPN, but you can't. Now imagine you're a huge fan of The Bachelor, but it's not there. That's life right now for Spectrum customers. We'll go in-depth into the cable giant's battle with Disney. All right, and uh, be careful if you're planning to go see the Barbie movie because it could lead to your significant other to rethink a lot of things. Might even bust up your relationship. We'll explain how that works. And also, speaking of Pat Boone, uh, Charles, uh, you know, he's a wild man. Uh, (laughs) Will we be able to handle Pat Boone? I don't know, but, you know, uh, he, he really is showbiz royalty i mean he's been around a long time the things he's seen and things he's seen things he's done and he hasn't stopped by the way performing and we are going to talk about that so but we start with disney's fight with spectrum brian steinberg is the senior tv editor for variety brian thanks for being with us thanks for having me so give us a brief synopsis of what this fight is about there seems to be a fight every day nowadays in media but what is this one between disney and spectrum it's true carriage fights like this where where you know the spectrum distributes all of disney's uh tv networks are increasingly common this has got a little new twist to it in that uh spectrum would like to uh get hold of disney plus and hulu for free as part of the deal they maintain that in the recent years that people are leaving or dro- are cutting the cord, going to streaming services and it's degrading their offering and they can't in good conscience force their customers to pay more without getting more for it from Disney and other programs. Is this a harbinger of another big change in uh, television? Because uh, we've seen the rise of streaming. Eventually, aren't these cable type deals just going to go away? I think it is part the form of a first sign of a much larger movement. You know, uh, subscribing to cable for a certain generation is is unheard of. Why would you do that when I can just go ahead and buy you know five uh, streaming subscriptions and get what I want the way I want it? So yes, I, I do think this is there's an existential problem for a charter which owns Spectrum or a or a um, Cablevision or a Cox or a Comcast, the other big cable providers in, in the country. So is there a a remedy for viewers, uh, you know, because in the days of cable and streaming came along, the idea was you could cut the cable and, and save some money and do streaming. Now streaming's becoming expensive. What's left? It feels like we're moving to a time when someone's going to start bundling the streaming services. You can buy all the ones you like through Amazon or uh, other uh, providers, like Apple TV. It feels like we're moving towards that where instead of buying, you know, a patio, hundreds of different TV networks are going to buy streaming services that meet your needs and your wants, and, and but they're going to have ads and they're going to be more expensive. Yeah, but I was going to say, but doesn't that get us right back to where we started from? Because uh, in, instead of having a cable company that bundles all these networks, so you'll now have uh, maybe Apple bundling all the streaming services. I think it's something to be concerned about. The appeal of streaming was that it wasn't TV. It had fewer ads or no ads. And you kind of, could kind of get what you wanted Whatever you like. Now we're seeing, you know, they're, they're, the costs are going up. They're having more commercial, more commercials fill their fill the slots. Um, you can't get everything you want because uh, the companies are t- are taking kind of a fine comb to uh, 
the prices of residuals that they're paying for all the different series. Well, some series are no longer on the services, on the case of HBO or even Disney. Um, it is becoming more like the cable TV we used to know. And, and you know, some of the streamers themselves are having trouble. Some of the smaller streamers are not able to keep up with the big ones. So eventually, couldn't we see way down the road somewhere, who knows how long, uh, that even the streamers themselves begin to go away and not just being bundled, but also people just start buying everything a la carte. I like this show. I like that show. And I like this show. And I don't want to have to buy a streaming platform to get all these other shows that I don't watch. Well, I think the companies that own multiple networks like uh, Warner Brothers Discovery or Comcast or or uh, Paramount have tried to stop that by, you know, making you take on, you know, you can't get Food Network on itself that, it's not, and that easy to do. So then maybe like next thing uh, or, or Turner Classic Movies, it has, you have to get it as part of Max. So they've tried to fight that. I, I do think that not the networks are going to go away, but the companies that own them, some of them are just becoming too small to compete. Uh, versus a Netflix or an Apple or an Amazon. These are companies that are tech companies as well as media companies. They have a whole other e-commerce revenues and other kinds of revenues coming in that, that the, a Paramount or a Comcast just can't beat. That, I think, is where, where we're going to start seeing some problems. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, that is Brian Steinberg, senior TV editor for Variety. And, of course, uh, customers of Charter Spectrum dealing with the loss of Disney Networks and ABC. X, which used to be Twitter, which many people used to like, is updating its privacy policy that will let it collect some users' biometric data and other personal information. In other words, all of your personal stuff. Amanda Berlin is a cybersecurity expert with cybersecurity company uh, Blumera. Thank you, Amanda, for being with us. Yes, thank you for having me. So why does Elon Musk want and I, I'm not going to say X because I really think it sounds stupid with all with all <laughs> with low deference to to uh, to Elon Musk. Why does Twitter want and need that? So um, the reason most people and most applications, most companies do go forward with things like this. So this it's it's this biometric security measure is what they uh, they claim claim it to be is for security purposes. Um, it is very difficult uh, for applications to make bots not sign up for them and bots, you know, if anybody that's used social media, I'm sure has come across them and precluding them is very difficult. We saw when Elon Musk did take over Twitter that um, as soon as you could pay $6 a month for a, a blue verified check mark, everyone had a blue verified check mark. And there was this month or two where everyone was pretending they were other companies and other, other famous people. So to crack down on that, they're trying to increase the security going above and beyond what Twitter had prior. Um, so that's the main reason I think they're doing it, but they're also a data company. You know, any any large platform like that that is for the most, I mean, for them forever, it was free. Um, it, it's one of the things that I learned very early on going on the internet. If the thing you are being offered is free, you're the product. So they will do stuff with that data, um, usually whether you like it or not, sadly.
Yeah, I, that was my question. Should I be worried? Because on my phone, I can unlock my phone by looking at it. It knows my face and mm-hmm. my my uh, computer at home. Uh, my fingerprint sensor will unlock it. My laptop will unlock with my fingerprint sensor. So are we talking that or are we talking something more than that? You know, it really all depends on how much trust you can put into that individual company. Um Elon Musk is very good at making a lot of money. Uh, to make a lot of money, you are going to probably end up scraping data and selling it to advertising agencies. It says, I mean, I know um, uh, they have plans and in going into the job market and, you know, sending you ads or um, postings for jobs that may pertain to you. Um, you see that in, in almost every other social media platform depending on what you put on there and what your settings are. There's just, uh, it's usually very, very overwhelming for the average user to understand where that data is going to and why. And I think the big data platforms kind of rely on that. Um, So it really just depends on how much you care, what your individual risk tolerance is. Um, Well, but that's the thing though, but Amanda, you, you mentioned before in the word trust, uh, mm-hmm. Why should we trust Elon Musk? I mean, on a scale of one to ten of weirdness, he's like a fifty. <laughs> you you are not wrong. Um, I I think most people that have that much money, you, no one should trust. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and, and that's, that's the issue, personal. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're not in the game to you know uh, make you feel better right? They're, they're providing a product and they're making a bunch of money doing it. Um, so they probably want to protect that data. So they're going to do their best on the back end, security wise, because that's never good press. But they could, um, all, they could always get hacked. Oh, of course. Yeah. Nothing is unhackable um, yeah. unless, you know, it's not connected to the internet and in a fortress. Yeah. Um, but even then, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's always possible. Okay, Amanda Berlin, thank you so much. Cybersecurity expert with the company Blue Mira. And uh, Charles, I guess, it ultimately, I would draw the line if it wants a blood sample for me. <laughs> and, yeah, you don't want to do that. And, you know, by the way, I mean, no no offense meant to Elon Musk that he's weird. I mean, you're weird. Yes, uh, I, I am. I, I'm weird. Yeah. But he's weirder. Yeah, I think I'm at a 30. Yeah, no, he's more than that. Yeah, way than that. Yeah, yeah way more than that. He is entertainment royalty by any definition. Pat Boone is going to be with us. He's still making music and has a big new album coming out in just a week. Right now, though, the Barbie movie having some negative consequences on relationships. Uh, Women and at least one man have been going on the Internet to say the movie either led them to break up with their partners or has them reconsidering their relationships. Abigail Lev is a psychotherapist, works with couples. She is the founder and director of Bay Area CBT Center. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Uh, So what's happening? Uh, You go to the Barbie movie with your significant other, and either you start thinking, you know what, not happy here, or your partner starts thinking that. What is it about the movie Barbie that's causing that to happen? Yeah, it's showing us a lot of ideas about feminism and the way that um, heterosexual relationships have been working between men and women, uh, even before 
you know, uh, since a, a long time that women have been dependent on men financially and in other ways, and now it's shifting a bit, and heterosexual relationships are, are shifting. And I think that when women are going to see this this movie with their partner and they're not seeing their partner as an ally, uh, an ally for women's rights and human rights and all of these changes that have happened politically and rights that have been taken away, they're quicker to see it. I think the movie is showing them that. But isn't it kind of sad, though, if you're in a relationship, whether you're married or, or you're, you're dating, whatever, if you're in a relationship and you don't understand each other well enough on, on issues that are not, af, after all, revolutionary. I mean, these are feminism, things like that. These are, are issues that have been going around for decades now that you really need a, a movie to say to you, oh, my partner is not suitable. That seems kind of pathetic, actually. Right. I think the other thing that this movie is highlighting is our issue in in general regarding intimacy. How are people becoming intimate with each other if they're not asking each other these important questions and they're not really getting to know each other? So then we could also look at all of these new terms like situationships and delusionships and breadcrumbing and these new types of relationships where people are not being intimate with each other. And so, yeah, you're right. If you're not having very deep, intimate conversations, you may be blindsided and find out the true qualities of your partner through a movie. So is there a checklist? And if there is, what would be on it for the uh, couple who wants to go see the movie, but one or the other partner is not sure if it's going to be good for them, if maybe this might lead to their breakup. Is there a checklist you can go down to ask your partner, hey, do you feel this way? Do you feel that way? If not, let's skip the movie. No, I don't think it's about skipping the movie, right? Because the movie is showing you something that you're just not looking at, and you will see it at some point or another, whether it's through the movie or in another way. So the checklist is not a checklist of qualities. You want to have a list of values, what you stand for, what's important to you. For example, integrity, honesty, curiosity, intimacy, being expressive, being assertive, being collaborative. You want to be really clear about your list of values for yourself and in relationships, and you want to be able to assess for it. You want to be able to get behavioral evidence for it. So if you're in a new relationship and you're avoiding conflict or you're afraid of rejection, if you don't want to ask the difficult questions and get to know your partner, then what's going to happen in the future is you're going to, the the rose-colored glasses are going to come off at some point by the time that you're already attached to them. Mm. And you're going to start seeing the ways that their values are not in alignment with your own. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Abigail Lev, psychotherapist, works with couples. Of course, uh, people going to see Barbie, and that's uh, leading to breakups. And Charles, I can say for myself, I'm not, uh, you know, I avoid conflict, not because I'm afraid of it, Mm -hmm. but because I'm just tired. This is KNX In-Depth, along with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Feldman. Okay, Pat Boone is a music and entertainment legend. His career spans, now think about this. 70 years, that's not a life, that's a career, 70 (laughs) years, and think of all the changes in entertainment that have happened in those 70 years. He's done a few different musical genres, from pop to country to gospel, even, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, a little heavy metal. 
Yeah, at age 89, Pat Boone is still making music. His new album is Country Jubilee. It is out next week as Pat returns to his Nashville roots. Pat Boone is with us here in the studio. Pat, thanks for being with us. Well, happy to be with you. <laughs> with you, guys. you don't sound that way. No, I'm doing the best I can. My teeth keep slipping. But... <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I uh, <laughs> I can never be a, a successful criminal because people recognize my voice. Yeah. My speaking voice. I don't know why. Because yeah. you've been around a long time. Well, I've been around a while, but, you know, I. But uh, to me, I sound just very normal. But apparently my wife, I think, put a finger on it. She said she thinks uh, people have voices with frequencies. Mm-hmm. And my voice has a peculiar frequency. Mm. Others, their voices are just not pleasant. Mm. I mean, we probably. I, I, I know. I know what that's like. Yeah. But but, but, <laughs> I, but but when I hear you talk, I mean, you sound like Pat Boone. Yeah, I do. And uh, for better or worse, that's me. So the last time you did an album was when? Before this one. Good question. Wow. Dana, can you help me? Oh, Legacy. This was. Yeah. See, I, I'm not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, though I had more rock and roll hits than many who are in there. But then I committed the cardinal sins of doing other things besides rock mm. and roll. So that ruled me out. And I don't care about that. But I'm in the rock, the gospel music hall of fame. And I've had some 25 gospel albums. And the latest is a, an album called Legacy. And I wrote every song in it, the words and the music. I did have a little help from a couple of... Uh, a composers named Rachmaninoff and Paganini <laughs> on a song. It was a, they're it pretty was just, good. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah and they haven't good. objected to my <laughs> no. lyrics. Yeah, yeah. But I wrote it. Um, uh, if that melody that's uh, you know so familiar, ba 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 da ba 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 Those were not the words. They didn't have words. But you are not alone. I'm by your side. Though the world may seem dark, I will be your guide. And it's a, it's a spirit, very nice a spiritual thing to that melody. You know, you should be a singer. <laughs> well, I thought of it, but you know, I, but you know, I'm just so heavy into uh, into business. Ah. <laughs> All right, so making music. He, the new album is called Country uh, Jubilee. We want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, back in action again. Uh, but as I pointed out, your career has spanned seventy years, mm-hmm. and just music alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many changes have happened in the music industry in 70 years? Back 70 years ago, everything was all about 45 RPM singles. Yeah. And then it became the vinyl well, album was yeah, the thing. And, yeah, then, and then we had 78 yeah, album, uh, 78, and 78 RPM records. And then and then we have cassettes and CDs and now streaming music. And all this time, you've kept up to that. While we were off the air, you were talking about streaming yeah. But streaming your music. So you're up on the streaming, how your music is mm-hmm. getting out there. How do you feel about this new era of where people just pick up their phone and hear your album? I Well, I'm lamenting it, of course, because even going back to the uh, cylinders. No, I didn't record any cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> I used to kid Andy, kid Andy Williams about that. But, um, but no, back to the 33 and the third uh, LPs and the, uh, you know, they, they were all vinyl. And then it went to many other forms, but at least you bought something and there was usually, uh, hopefully, a little uh, information on it for you to read about the recording and maybe pictures and 
and stuff that that I always appreciated getting with the music. I'm right there with you. I'm totally team yeah. physical media. Yeah, but now it's all nebulous. It's all X's and O's. <laughs> I mean, X's and yeah. O's, and it it makes the sound of my voice uh, and music, and it's real. It's there. But vinyl is making a comeback now because there's still people that are even buying and they're manufacturing more vinyl players because there's something about putting that needle down and then you and you hear maybe a little scratchy sound, but oh, then yeah. the song comes through and it, there is a maybe more more of a body to the uh, to the music uh, that that this, just the digital thing can't quite capture. You know, Pat, I was looking at, at some uh, facts about your life, which is very long and very interesting. <laughs> I mean, for example, like Elvis, right? He yeah. opened for you. He, opened he was your for opening me. act yep. in 1955. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people you have met, the things you have done in showbiz, what is it like being you? Oh, wow. It's an, a constant amazement. I mean, to me, I'm totally surprised. I look back and I think, what? Oh, I did all that? And, uh, and, and such a diversity. I mean, in so many, uh, so many uh, industries, actually. I mean, I, I did the biggest deal in the history of Shark Tank. $5 million ask for 50% of the first plant, uh, first plant to be built, huh. producing 2,000 air cars, cars that run on highly compressed air. And it's not flaky as it sounds. It's in already in progress and in use in France. But it's uh, the inventor, Guy Negre, or Guy, G-U-I. But when I went on the Shark Tank show, and Robert Hershevik immediately said, when I mentioned the name Guy Negre, he said, oh, the titanium cylinder. I said, yeah, and 50 other patents in Formula One racing. Huh. It's real. But he stiffed me. He stiffed you. Yeah, he, he, he. We shook hands on a on a five million dollar deal, still the biggest in the history of the show. They've aired it four more times since then, but he went to Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> and uh, and he and his marriage broke up, and he married the dance instructor. <laughs> and two years That's later, I see him on a sidewalk out in front of my office. Yeah, he just left the restaurant, and I said, Robert, Robert Hershevik. Oh yeah, hi Pat. I said. I said, you've never called me about the air car. Oh, no, that was years ago. I'm not interested. You're not interested. We shook hands in front of millions of people. Hmm. It's aired four times wow. since then. <laughs> and you're just not interested? No, I'm just not interested. Hmm. And as he walked away, I said, well, that tells me all I need to know about you. <laughs> now I have, there wow. is a, there is a uh, Silicon Valley billionaire hmm. who now is very interested. The air car is real. It's going to be the future. Right. of transportation. It's going to be after electric. Mm. It's going to be air. Wow. As I said on the show, the most readily available, the inexpensive and environmentally perfect fuel there air. will ever be. Air. air. Yeah. It's reusable instantly. Yeah. Uh, tell us about this new uh, album, uh, Country Jubilee. Uh, first in a while. Uh, and you, you're appearing with some well-known names in the country music industry. You've yeah. got... Uh, uh, Ray Stevens, the Gatlin Brothers, Laurie Morgan, Deborah Allen, Dean Miller on there, and a uh, uh, duet you've done with Crystal Gale, one of her uh, hit mm-hmm. songs from way back in. Just heard you some of it. Tell Just us about the recording of it. How'd that go? Well, it was wonderful. The um, uh, You know, I had just finished making a movie called The Mulligan. It's been winning awards up in Canada and the, their film industry, and even Actor of the Year. <laughs> and so uh, I had just come from that with a little horse, 
but but she wanted to do the song again because Eddie Rabbit, with whom she had the huge original record, had passed 20 years ago. And so she and Warner Brothers said, hey, get Pat Boone. So they got me, and I was thrilled to do it with Crystal, but I had to sing kind of almost conspiratorially, hmm. a, you know, whispered in her ear, kind of singing it. I, I, You know, but people tell me that they're quite moved by it, even my own daughters and my granddaughters. Uh, and, and we dedicated the song to my wife, Shirley, who's been in heaven about three and a half years now. <clears throat> and um, Crystal was so nice as that we, even in the videos we've got had made, uh, there's there are pictures of Shirley, my wife, in it. And and so Crystal and I sang that song uh, very emotionally. Uh, and in my case, about my wife of 67 years, Shirley. You're a very religious man. Yeah. Um, did that present problems for you in entertainment? Because uh, entertainment is, as you know, not a very <laughs> <laughs> religious-minded industry. Yeah, I, I, you, 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 that's an understatement. Uh, but, well, it has been made me the you know, target of many jokes and some ridicule because although I've never been trying to force my views on anybody, but if you ask me, I'll tell you what I believe. Mm-hmm. And and if you say, well, how do you made it all? You know, I'll give God credit for A, my voice, A, a beautiful wife, uh, B, C, D, and down the alphabet, people who took an interest in me, like GAC, which is a totally different company now, but it was General Artist Corporation mm. and the top agent in the business who liked the way I sang on the Ted Mack Amateur Hour. And I won that three times in a, uh, three weeks in a row and then won the Arthur Godfrey Talent Scout show, and no contracts readily appeared. So I had married at 19 to Red Foley's daughter, uh, and uh, and we moved out to Denton, Texas, to this go to this big music school in North Texas State. And, and then I got called out of the blue to see if I wanted to make a record, and I went to Chicago. The first record was a top 10 million seller, Two Hearts, Two Kisses, and the next was Ain't That a Shame. This is 1955. Mm. And uh, Ain't That a Shame, Fats Domino's song. And from then on, for 220-something, like it was four and a half years, I was never off the charts. Mm-hmm. Every, re- every week for those, year- those years, I had at least one record, usually two records on the charts, one going up, one going down. And, uh, and so that career just fell on me. But the, the career has never been dependent on on whether I was doing all the right, you know, the most popular mm-hmm. things currently. Yeah, I started out singing rock and roll because it was what was put in front of me. But at the same time, in the 60s, I did a big band swing album with big orchestras. I did uh, gospel albums. I did um, uh, folk albums. <laughs> and, did a metal album once. A metal album, In a yeah. metal mood. In a metal mood. Yeah. Major, major hits. Uh, you had leather songs. and studs on the cover. Yes, I, I did. That. Tattoos. <laughs> but got, but uh, wasn't that weird for you? I mean, come on. Well, it was a, it was a lark. It was uh, really, yeah, yeah, but it still. It was really a lark. But for other people, yeah. yes, it was really weird because the subtitle was No More Mr. Nice Guy. Right. And I, and I presented, <laughs> that's Alice Cooper's song. Yeah. And I, and I re, re, you know, gave the award for hard rock heavy metal on that same American Music Awards mm. show. 
Dick Clark producing. He'd heard the album. It was coming out the next day. Big band swing mm. versions of all of those Stairway to Heaven, Smoke on the Water, boom, 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 boom. And Diesel Zappa is playing mm. a Hendrix guitar on my record mm. of that song. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And it, we, we just, I found that all those songs, and it was mainly my musicians who made me aware of it, were good songs underneath all the cacophony of of the way they were sung. You know, I even did Guns N' Roses, Paradise City. Yeah. And I was, and um, uh, their great guitarist was going to be playing, Slash was going to be playing on my new record of it, but he co- he complained it was too fast <laughs> for him. I, and I was doing it faster than Pat, they did it. Pat Boone was too fast for Slash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I said, are you kidding? But they were trying to get their group back together at that point. So... But the album was an instant smash because it was, it was a curiosity. Right. I mean, it was it was getting played on country music, even on weather stations. <laughs> All right, Pat Boone, uh, living legend. We want to thank you so much for uh, coming into the studio and sitting down with us today. I wish we had more time because uh, we could talk to you for another hour or so. Uh, But the new album, uh, Country Jubilee, Pat Boone, is out. 70 years in show business and uh, still making records. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to KNX In Depth today. For myself and Charles Feldman, we'll see you Monday.